And welcome back to Let's Talk. Tracy Morgan, of course, in with you. Thanks so much for being here. Our half an hour where we have uh, great professionals in. Actually, today, Tom Verostek with Q3 Capital Management is in today. We're going to be talking about inflation once again. I know that's been a hot topic, so we're going to stay on it. And I'm also going to ask him about the latest crypto news, just out of curiosity to see what he has to say about that. So that's our conversation today. Uh, by the way, you can listen to us as we're streaming online, WISR680.com. There's a button there that says listen live. You have Alexa powered devices. You have the app that can go on your phone. And then, of course, you can listen to us on the radio as well. So thank you so much for being here today. All right, Tom, how are you? Always nice to see Good you. Good morning, Tracy. I'm fine. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad you're in because <laughs> <laughs> a few questions I have. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are, are like me where, you know, we, we hear about money, we hear about inflation, and we don't really pay attention to it until all of a sudden we have to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And so one of these things, before we get into inflation, I want to ask you about the crypto news. Mm. There was just this week, if I understand, a few days ago, sure. that there was one of the individuals that were kind of like the top individuals in this crypto world right? that is no longer in that position. And it kind of burst on him. Is that, is that, can you explain what happened there? Yeah. Well, there, uh, and actually I can't specifically talk about this just because I think there's now an ongoing SEC investigation. Oh, okay. So, okay. So I just, you know, I don't think anybody has all the facts, but uh, evidently there was enough doubt um, from maybe some of the, yeah, I think the some of the accounting going on there that uh, assets weren't what they perceived were perceived to be. Uh, it was, yeah, Sam Bankman-Fried, you can um, Google FTX, um, and you'll get all the news you want about that. But there, there's, uh, you know, I don't want to throw salt in the wound, but um, an example of, of a, you know, what I do have gathered is that, that in that particular case, there was a lot of leverage. And, and so if you have that, th- those kind of high leverage, high debt to equity, um, it is a it is a very fragile environment for any investment. So, I think there there's that element. I think there was also um, just lack of any uh, what would be acceptable accounting principles. Um, so you know, gap G, uh, generally accepted accounting principles. Going back to my my CPA days, um, bringing that up from the past. But yeah, so uh, and and I, and I think this. I've said it in the past, uh, the, the crypto space, again, this is just my opinion. I think there's a, a lot of people that have this, the same shared opinion. Uh, and again, right now, it's easy to, I think, throw salt in the wound. So I don't want to go down that road. But I think it's just, it's um, maybe becoming a little clearer that, um, you know, this is a new, new sector, so to speak. Um, you know, in my opinion, the, first of all, it was never approved by the SEC as an investment. So someone like me really never went near it. We, we didn't have any clients using it. Um, we, we, if once or twice, actually I had maybe a phone call, uh, and we would you know, basically say, we can't do it. So, um, so with that though, no, no, noting that the SEC never approved it as an investment. Um, I really think they, you know, they should have addressed it head on very early. They're really late to the game. I think they know that. So I'm not saying anything that isn't hasn't been said, but it is a it is a now more delicate situation because there's a lot of people that were affected by this last one. Yeah. I mean, this basically is a is a crash um, of FTX. So um, I think to the tune of at one point, I think it was worth over thirty billion 
dollars. So it's not insignificant. And it's creating a lot of doubt now about mm. the crypto space. But you know, I'm just, I, despite not really being you know, involved in it uh, as, as an investor or for our clients, um, you know, my approach was really more pragmatic. I just didn't look at it as a crypto, as a currency. And so, and even then, do we want to get into currencies? You know, we, we look more um, for things that make money, entities that have a going, it's called a going concern. They're going to be here next year and five years and 10 years from now. They're profitable. Maybe they, you know, pay a nice dividend. Very fundamental things. Um, so, and same thing on the bond side. You know, will they pay? Pay the interest, pay the you know at par at maturity, you know very tr- you know s- tried and true principles. Yeah. So, just interesting. Yeah, you never it, news it really like is. that breaks. That yeah, you always wonder what's what's behind all of that, and and then it makes some of us pay attention when we weren't paying attention before. But yeah, definitely. It, it what it does make me concerned about is is the the fallout. Mm, okay. Because if you have investors, you know. And you just don't know what that is. But if you have investors that this was a significant piece of their portfolio, and it very well could have become. Um, And obviously, the rest of the crypto um, currencies have been, you know, levitating, or should I say, falling uh, in the same way. So the correlation um, is becoming more close to the stock market is what I'm trying to say. So what that tells me, perhaps, and it's just me thinking, is as as valuations of, of one asset goes go down and, and then if you have margin in your account you borrow to buy some other maybe some blue chip securities so if your if your crypto goes down in value then you get a margin call and you got to sell something else okay mm. it's kind of forced on you and that kind of thing is like a spiral and kind of like what we saw in, in the dot-com you know uh, bubble bursting so could we see something similar to that um, it's possible it's possible I'm not saying it will happen, but it's possible. And uh, that's my concern right now is the the kind of domino effect um, that it could have. Well, let's turn our attention elsewhere then, uh, because I know one thing you do have to pay attention to, and you do pay attention to, is inflation. Mm. And since we're all paying attention to this right now, kind of catch us up on where we are right now with this. Yeah. So the last number uh, came in... um, for October, and that was 7.7% annual uh, inflation number. That was down from 8.2 the previous month. So the market cheered that, uh, and there was, you know, we've had a, a pretty significant rally. Basically, it was a two-day rally from from that. And to me, that again, I don't, I don't, uh, I think that's great that the rate came down, but it's still a far cry from the 2% target that the Fed would like to see. Um, and that is their target. They will stay on that target and they will continue to raise rates um, as a means to slow down the economy. That's basically, this is, this is from the same playbook that Paul Volcker had, um, you know, 40, 40 some years ago. Um, as a matter of fact, I did a little more research on Paul Volcker and the Fed back in the, you know, actually you can go deeper than 1979, 80, 80, 81. Um, because what I, you know, you forget, but you, you, you do then get a refresher on it. And you say, oh, that's right. We did have inflation in the, in the mid-70s. It's really started there. 
And, and we did have high gas prices in, in the mid-70s. I don't want to say 30, 74, um, even 73, this all began, and it just didn't go away. It kind of maybe faded a little bit, you know, 76, 77. But, um, again, by 1979, um, in, in January, it was uh, se- coincidentally 7.7 last month's reading. So January of 79, it was still there. And from what my I've studied about the history of inflation and the markets, it's kind of connecting the two. When inflation's over five percent, generally, I mean this is again big broad brush, but generally the markets don't do well when inflation goes over five percent. And uh, you know there haven't been that many times that it's happened, but there's a really pretty significant correlation. So by middle of that year, seventy nine, it was up to nine percent kind of what we saw over the summer. Um, so I think a lot of the optimists right now are saying, oh, yeah, we're heading south. Everything, you know, by next year, inflation is going to be lower. Um, to some degree, the bond market is even pricing that ha- happening. I, I th- My feeling is it's just too soon to tell because inflation can linger for longer than and, – and I think most people in our industry these days just weren't – hands-on um, the last time this happened. So how could you possibly, and I, I'm starting to see more people having an opinion of wait, you know, wait and see, this could be a little longer, right? And I, I'm, I'm just a little relieved to hear some you know, rationale that supports a, a little, you know, slower, because we're all used to this kind of, okay, let's throw Let's let's give the shot back in the arm of the economy and boom, we're on our way. That's that's what we've had for for I don't know how long. The last twenty years, clearly. I mean, two thousand eight, same thing. Um, a couple of bumps along the way. Certainly, twenty twenty. Um, you know, the Fed threw massive amounts of uh, uh, stimulus in the form of lower interest rates, in the form of more money supply. Those two f- components um, really were the injection for a dying patient, so to speak. I mean, that's kind of what, what, what it looked like in 08 and, and 2020 at the cost of a much, much larger overall government debt to GDP ratio. So we've talked about that in past shows. We are at these all-time highs on, on the debt to GDP ratio. So was it all levered? Was it all fueled by artificial, you know, monetary engineering? Um, well, we'll find out. But I think those tools, those, so to speak, those arrows in the quiver are fewer because of that, because of the fact that you you do have a, an elevated debt-to-GDP ratio. You really can't go in much deeper than where we are. As a matter of fact, going forward, that has to be managed better. And... So obviously this is all complicated, right? All interconnected. If I had all the answers, uh, well, I don't think even the Fed has all the answers. It's interesting though. I will just say this: when I was reading up on Paul Volcker in the you know the late seventies, early eighties, he he number one was very unpopular. Number two, couldn't you imagine? I mean, he basically was driving the economy into a recession. He he drove up the unemployment rate to over 10% at its peak, okay? We, 
I think the positive of this go around is, let's see, I, I, I saw this Reuters poll. It was really interesting. And uh, it basically said that they expect unemployment to rise from about 3.7 to 4.6%. And maybe by the end of 2023, okay, maybe peaking, the highest opinion was around 5.9%. Okay, that's, and again, no one knows, but if that's as high as we go in this recession, I would say that's a pretty good result. Um, but it is expected that we're, you know, we're going to dip into a, a recession. Um, and by design, that should cool the economy, some of the spending. Unfortunately, um, you know, what's different, that positive about unemployment could be also a negative for inflation. And again, last time we had a higher unemployment rate, so therefore, clearly there, were, there was a much, you know, much more effect on uh, uh, wages. Whereas now, if you keep unemployment low, which again, I, I'm all for it, um, what effect does that have on wage prices, which is now becoming a, a larger part of the inflation number? So, yeah, it's. Uh, I would say you know hold hold on. It's not over. Um, this would be a relatively quick turnaround for inflation. We say we may see some improvement, um, and we'll have some periods of improvement. And I think that that'll be nice. But I would expect that until you get this inflation down to the, the targeted 2%, um, or we could be in for a little longer ride, just based on historical um, information that we have. When you're aiming to cool spending, do you think that we'll get there this time? I, I, it, I find it interesting on how people continue to spend and they continue to spend. And I'm not sure if it's just my viewpoint or if it's something that you've seen, but it feels like in past years, there were things that people went without. Are we doing that now or are we just still spending on credit cards and buying online and not paying attention to the money? That's a, that's a very good point. And I think that could be one of those canary in the coal mines. And I, and I mean, as a positive for inflation diving. In other words, when, when you start to see people substituting or altogether not doing certain spending behaviors. I don't think we've seen that yet. So maybe that, that is one of those, those elements that has to occur um, as an extension of, of inflation for it to really have taken effect. You know, we haven't had behavioral adjustments, um, you know, in, in the, really in the, in the past year. Um, and, and I shouldn't say that as a blanket statement. I know there is evidence of, of many, many people uh, out there that have had, uh, you know, spending adjustments. But as an, as an overall macro aggregate, like you said, it's still there. It's still at a pretty decent you know, clip. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I, I know that consumer spending last month was better than what was expected. So it, it was a surprising to the upside, not so much on the downside as you would expect during inflationary times. Um, you know, and again, it's just really simple. We all know this. If you're spending more at the grocery store, more at the pump, that's that's less that you have to spend on other things, discretionary things. So, you know, you've got you've got things that you have a fixed budget and then then some of that fixed has now gone up 
making it much more expensive to drive a car and, and put food on the table. So that translates to less discretionary spending. Uh, overall, I don't think the, the impact has, has set in. And again, maybe that's one of the things. It's, it's um, you know, one of the other things that hasn't happened yet is gold. You know, gold usually is a, a, as an asset class that does well with inflation. So we've had, a, you know, what, almost a whole year now of high single-digit inflation. But gold, now gold, I will say it's, um, if I look at the, the past 12 months, the NASDAQ, uh, it's down 30.5%. The S&P is down 16 The aggregate bond, the Barclays aggregate bond, a bond index, down 15%. So gold is only down 6 but still, it's it's down. Usually, you get gold rallies in inflationary times. It also rallies with fear, rallies with the dollar declining. So, um, and and true to that, um, last week uh, the dollar dropped. It was it was only the sixth time the dollar dropped by more than four percent in a week. Okay, over the last fifty years, only the sixth time. So 4% decline. Gold rallied 5% last week. So it did start to behave like gold again. Um, and again, that sort of ties to cryptocurrency. Is gold, you know, lost its quote-unquote shine? You know, is cryptocurrency sort of stolen the thunder away from gold uh, as it normally would have? I think, I think that is a, a story that will still uh, play out in that should we see more elevated, you know, this sticky inflation, it c- continues to hang around and maybe it surprises us and, and goes back to, you know, high single digit, even heaven forbid we get to a double digit, um, you know, gold might have its day. So, um, yeah, so those general asset classes, not a very good year. Uh, and that just goes to show you that inflation is, uh, is a real problem for uh, investments. So what changes it around? Um, is it um, consumer behaviors? Is it behavioral adjustments? Is it everything that you were just talking about that has to collectively come together? What helps inflation to go back down? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, again, reading reading the some of the quotes of, of certain people back in 1980 through 1982, it was a two-year period. Again, two-year period where, where the Federal Reserve had to keep interest rates high. And by the way, um, something that I completely for, I was remiss in saying. How about that? Um, money supply is another piece that the, the Federal Reserve controls. So you're not really hearing much about that. You're just hearing about the rates. Uh, but what is their money supply you know, growth rate? Um, so the one thing that uh, Paul Volcker took, took – um, great interest in and actually focused on changing was the money supply growth as well as the, the, the short-term interest rate. So those two components, um, but what, what I was going to say is some of his quotes basically were, were a leap of faith. I mean, he basically said, we think this is going to work, right? And held his ground to his credit. And, and that, this is the part I find fascinating because Think about it. You know, think you, know, you are the only person, literally, not just in 
I don't know, if you're in grade school, you're the only person in the class that has the answer, right? Uh, but everyone else in the class is telling you you're wrong, okay? Feel that pressure. Now think of it, you're, you're the head of the Federal Reserve, and the whole world is telling you you're wrong. And it's basically the, world, the whole world is telling you, we don't like it this way. And that's really what he was getting. He was getting it from Congress, that Donald Reagan, uh, I think it was Reagan, uh, the, the head of the Treasury. Everybody was telling him, and, and they all wanted to fire him. Unfortunately, they couldn't. There was even Congress was, was going to, you know, put something together to get him, you know, ousted, and they, they couldn't. So for two years, think of that. It's an eternity. I mean, it is a long time to have so many people upset with you. And, but, but to his, again, so I, you can tell kind of to a degree that I, I admire him because he held his ground in the face of a difficult situation. And really a lot of people to this day now credit him for the, the age of moderation, the age where inflation was very, very low stayed low really till recently. Okay, so that's a pretty long stretch. That's a good result to get out of a couple of really difficult years. Um, so to, to that degree, I'd, I'd say it is, it's number one, worth studying. Number two, keep an open mind that, that this could continue longer based on what had happened in the past. And, and three, I think we can understand that if, if, if inflation we all know what the, it feels like. We all experience it. That's what's different. You know, some of the economic indicators you hear about over the years, you might say, eh, that's not affecting me, right? Plenty of them where you could say, eh, it doesn't really affect me. I mean, in this case, everybody is affected by inflation. So it's definitely on everybody's radar. And if there's a positive coming out of this, definitely you could say, well, if we if they get the inflation under control, we get that you know back to that targeted around two percent, then then the normal the new normal the world will be much more livable. Um, it won't be you know affecting daily lives, and of course you know the market, which a lot of people four hundred one k plans, other savings, were all affected by the market um, more than ever, probably more than much much more than we were in nineteen eighty. Did he know back then that it would take two years? Did he have that feel? Because I'm wondering when, when you're giving that kind of warning that, hey, this could last a little bit longer. Are there people now that look at what he did back then and can use that, can use a process to estimate how long this could possibly last? Well, it, yeah, I think, I think that's what I'm seeing is that, 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 that people have gotten out of the sort of the short-term uh, myopic view of what's happened in the last 20 years as a proxy to a larger, longer um, time frame and, and, and using some history as, as, as an example of what could happen in going forward. And, and, and really, if that's the case, so number one, I think, I think uh, Fed Chairman Powell has, has, has opened his mind he clearly, his message is, we're going to do whatever it takes. It's almost the exact words that, that uh, Paul Volcker used. Uh, it's just a question of whether this is a twice in a decade, sort of a wave, wave one, wave two, 
like the mid seventies and then late late seventies, early eighties, or is it just a one or two year cycle? Uh, obviously, n nobody knows that. Nobody can. Re you can't really even act on that um, because that's the kind of thing where you you could be out of the woods for a while thinking, hey, we're good. Um, so that's that's the unknown. Um, but clearly, we're we're in a very similar situation, and thus, again, as as a guidepost. For us, what we do as far as investing, you know, there there are some positives. Again, there's there's some places to be, assets classes that do better during inflationary time periods, and then there's asset classes that, that have, have done poorly. Um, the question is, will they continue? Um, but bottom line is, you have to adjust, and this is to some degree you have to until it's not, it becomes the new normal that yeah. you have to position for. So, Tom, when we're talking about inflation, we're talking about all, I mean, we could go down different roads here in what you do and what you cover for your clients. Give us kind of an overview of what you can help people with if they would like to make an appointment with you. Yeah, I think I think that from what I see, you know, on a day-to-day on -day basis, um, but also even even each year we, you know, we have a review with our clients. It's It's just a matter of staying on track, staying focused, making sure everything, all the horses are heading in the same direction. Um, and so, you know, that is probably the biggest thing that we do is just make sure that there's no inconsistencies to, to the, the goals, um, that there's good risk management. Um, you know, our discussion about crypto is a, is a very good example of that e even to some of the discussion we just had about asset classes, what, what can do well in this environment. And uh, what we're doing this year is 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 I don't want to say radically different, but it, it's it is significantly different. We have had to turn the boat uh, because we've recognized the situation it is so much different, and that things that have done well in the last three, five, ten years um, probably will not do well, and we recognize that very early. So um, you know, that those are the things that active management does for you. So, you know, if you're doing that on your own, then you have, you have to have the tools to recognize when this, when the climate has changed and, and then how to, how to align, you know, yourself with that. Do you have the risk management tools in place? Um, all those things. So it's, it's not, it's not something that is, that we take lightly, we take it very seriously. And, and at the same time, we feel that that makes a difference in that we don't make any, I think some of the hardest and, and worst decisions an investor can make are, are based on an emotional reaction, you know, yeah. the old old fashioned fear and greed. Right, right. And so easy to have fallen into the to the greed part for the past decade with some bumps along the road, un, un, understandably. Um, and, and yet that could have created some bad decisions, such as getting into the hot yeah. asset classes, one of which we just talked about. And likewise, the, the fear side of things could could have you doing some things at exactly the wrong time. All right. So. All right. Well, let's get your information. Let's get your contact information in case we'd like to give you a call. Yeah, I think an, an email is probably uh, the, the most um, utilized these days. So it's tom at q3capital.net, like third quarter, except reverse. Tom at nice. q3capital.net. Um, and uh, yeah, and then if you, if you have a question, you can shoot me that and I can respond. And then... If you want to talk from there, um, it'll be on my email response. Very good. That? Yeah, that'll be good. Number. That'll be good. <laughs>
Tom Verostek with Q3 Capital Management, helping you with your finances and, and making a plan. So thank you so much, Tom. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Thanks, Tracy. And folks, thank you very much for joining us as well. If you did join us late and would like to hear our conversation again, I'm going to point you to our website, which is WISR680.com. What you would do is you'd pick the program area in the menu bar, take that down to Let's Talk, and then look for Q3 Capital Management. I'm Tracy Morgan with the Butler Radio Network.